0: Hello, listeners. Welcome to another episode of The Cozy Corner with Alexia Gordon. Join me, your host, Alexia Gordon, as I chat with authors writing cozy, traditional, and historical mysteries. You won't find explicit sex or graphic violence. You will find intriguing authors and quality fiction. Thanks for listening. Hello, listeners. Welcome to another episode of The Cozy Corner with Alexia Gordon. I'm Alexia Gordon, author and host of the podcast. Leslie Budowitz returns to the corner today to chat about her new spice shop mystery between a walk and a dead place. Welcome back, Leslie.
1: It's great to be with you always.
0: Now, Please tell us about between a walk and a dead place and what your sleuth Pepper Reese is up to.
1: So Between a Walk and a Dead Place is the seventh book in the Spice Shop Mysteries. Pepper Reese runs the spice shop in Pike Place Market, where she sells spice and solves crime. In this book, uh, we visit the Chinatown International District, also known as the CID, on the south end of the main portion of downtown Seattle. Uh, it's a place that has long fascinated me. And I got the idea to set a book there when my husband and I were visiting Seattle a few years ago. And we went to the Wing Luke Museum, which is a museum of the Asian experience in Seattle. And it is in in uh, uh, the Chinatown International District, of course. And adjacent to it is a place called the Kong Yik Hotel. And it was a residential hotel from about, oh gosh, 1880-something to uh, about the 1970s. And it was a fascinating place. It was kind of a boarding house style where uh, immigrants, primarily Chinese, but not always, uh, especially in the the 20s and 30s and 40s, um, lived often eight or 10 men to a room. And uh, then parts of, of it became a little more like the, the SRO's single residence or uh, single
0: room occupancy,
1: single room occupancy. Thank you. Uh, that uh, uh, populated other parts of the city, including the market, and that are familiar to, to people all over the country. Um, I wondered what if someone found a body in the basement of one of these hotels, not not the one that's attached to the museum, but to a closed residential hotel. And so I made one up uh, on what was, when I last saw it, a parking lot and uh, gave it a history and just had a really interesting time playing with that. So when Pepper goes to the Lunar New Year celebrations in January, the year of the rabbit. She goes to a food walk and a parade and uh, runs into a friend of hers who comes rushing out of uh, one of these closed residential hotels and says she's found a body. No spoilers. This is all in the first couple of pages, right? And uh, Pepper... Of course, it helps her out and ends up getting involved in investigating the secrets of this building and how the the body, which is brand new, got there in into what is really this time capsule of Seattle history.
0: And there's so many exciting things in in. in- your book to ask you about, you know, residential hotels and uh, spices and, and ancient apothecaries. And well, I'll start with the, the, the Lunar New Year festival that you mentioned, because that's, that's a very important festival, isn't it? Can you tell us a little bit about? It is. It is.
1: Um, Every year in uh, uh, Chinese astrology has its own animal. And the year of 2023 is the year of the rabbit. And the rabbit is um, not necessarily the fiercest or wildest creature that you might anticipate, not like the dragon or the tiger or some of the other symbols of of Chinese astrology. But it's a very important one, and I found it kind of intriguing. Uh, So all festivals, of course, have food. And there is a food walk and Pepper and her mother and her good friend Sita go down to the uh, food walk. And that's the first clue because Sita is not a foodie. What is she doing there? Well, there's a little intrigue behind that as as well. Uh, and I just had a great fun thinking about and then taste testing some of, of the foods. My husband and I were over in Great Falls, Montana, and we went to a a little Chinese restaurant there that's been there for a really long time. And we had just a great time just picking and choosing fun, different things. My husband is an acupuncturist and he has traveled in China, and so he knows a little bit uh, more firsthand than than I did. Uh, we also had a great time just uh, thinking about the foods and then recreating some of them at home because as you mentioned, there's always food in the book and there's a few recipes to help the reader recreate some of the uh, tastiest treats.
0: Hey, you mentioned your husband's an acupuncturist. Did that inspire the uh, sort of uh, ancient apothecary that occupies the basement of your
1: your fictional uh, residential hotel? So actually, no, the reason I thought about that as a possibility for the secret in the basement is, is partly related to his profession, but it's because there was a, a uh, is a restaurant in Butte, Montana, which is an old mining city and had a, a strong Chinese presence at one point that has a a secretive kind of hidden apothecary or pharmacy in the basement. And for decades, people didn't know it was there. Well, he got a chance to visit it and told me about it uh, and then pieces of it uh and pieces of another uh uh chinese pharmacy from another montana town are part of a museum there in in Butte and there's also a couple of others in uh one in Oregon and one up in Calgary that I was familiar with and I, i'm not familiar with any in Seattle i couldn't find any any history of or any record of um a uh, uh chinese medical Museum, so to speak, in in Seattle, but I thought it deserved one, and so on the page at least it will have one. Lots of secrets in basements, um, and and because of the the history of that part of the city uh, and the way um, the the um, buildings were created after a fire, and because of regrades of hills, there's there's a lot of of secret hidden spaces beneath buildings. And I thought it was just the perfect place to put something like that.
0: And you you gave us a, a little taste of the city's history earlier when you were talking about the uh, residential hotels. And I'll admit, when I, my uh, only knowledge of that type of hotel comes from the, you know, movies from the 1930s, mm-hmm. um, which is a very different type of living in a hotel than what you, what you described. So how, how did you sort of uh, find out more about um, something that um, a kind of doesn't really exist anymore and b find out about the side of it. That was not necessarily the side that was, you know, on the, on the big, big shiny screen for people to look at. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. I do borrow from that image of the big shiny screen uh, for the front lobby and the, the hotel in, in my uh, book, the gold rush, um, uh, went through an evolution. It was first these, these boarding houses with uh, uh, numerous, uh, several men uh, living in one room and they weren't all there at the same time, of course, because they worked shift work at the canneries and on the, the fishing boats. Um, then it went to a more traditional SRO. It, it was just sort of redeveloped into that. And I read this really fascinating book called Building Tradition, uh, Pan-Asian Seattle and Life in the Residential Hotels by Marie Rose Wong. And Dr. Wong is a historian at Seattle University, which by coincidence is where I went to college. And she put together this amazing history of the closed residential hotels. Many of them no longer in existence. Some still exist but have become other other things. Um, it, it just wasn't possible or practical for many of them to continue when building codes changed and all of that. Uh, of course, some of them are quite old and, and would not have been structurally salvageable uh, for modern uses. But she's got maps that she created and maps she found and the history of the that area, and she tells the history of the community that is now known as the the Chinatown International District through these hotels, and and I just thought it was it was fascinating.
0: With all of those fascinating historical stories to choose from, how do you how do you pick the ones that make it into the book? Mm. Your book.
1: Always a good question, um, and in fact, it's one I'm struggling with right now on book number eight. Which is tentatively titled to air as cuman. There are so many possible stories. It's hard to choose from them. And one of the things I learned, and I'm sure that that you learned too fairly early on in writing fiction is there are so many possibilities. And at some point you just have to decide. You just have to decide it is going to be this way and this way, and get to the end. And on your way to the end of that first draft, you may discover something you had not thought of, something no, something that had not occurred to you. Uh, I will avoid spoilers here, but um, what I'm referring to is 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 the real treasure. In the basement of the gold rush. I didn't anticipate that until about three quarters of the way through the first draft. And so that is, is, uh, the balance that we go through as a writer. We, we have these ideas. We have to learn to figure out which ones are going to sustain a story, but also re- remain open to the ones that just come to us out of out of seemingly thin air because we've laid the groundwork by doing our our research, by thinking about the characters, thinking about the possibilities.
0: And speaking of balance, what's your technique for sort of weaving these, this history, uh, which, you know, a lot of readers may not know about. So you, ha- you have to provide enough detail to kind of orient them, but you do it in a way that it doesn't sound like you're reading a history textbook. How do you sort of weave in the history to the the story that you're actually telling?
1: That's another challenge, isn't it? Because whenever you research something, you want to share it all. And there's so much fascinating stuff, but you can only put on the page what is relevant to the story and what would naturally be revealed. So uh, at one point we have Roxanne, who is Pepper's friend and a museum curator who has been hired by the family that owns the Gold Rush to catalog the place. And she is showing Pepper and uh, a young man who works for Pepper and is from the community. Um, She's showing them around the, the, hotel. And that gave me a little bit of an opportunity to talk about what the the architecture was, what was on the walls, and that becomes important later. Uh, because, you know, the murder weapon is hanging there on the wall, not the murder weapon, an attack weapon is hanging there on, on the wall. And uh, there are, are uh, bits of the architecture, the furniture, and that sort of thing that are interesting, but you can all put in there what really moves the story forward. Anytime you feel like you're stopping to tell your reader something, that's not good.
0: Uh, people's research process always fascinates me. Uh, so how do you research your, your spices? Because you you use them appropriately. You don't just throw in some salt and pepper and call it a day. I and mean, you go mm-hmm. to trouble to make sure you're getting spices that that both fit the theme of the book and the dish and the situations how do you research uh, which which spices you're going to use
1: well i always say that for me research means eating <laughs> um and that certainly was true here it's interesting with chinese food because it's not actually got a lot of of variety of spice not the way some other cuisines do uh, obviously some peppers uh Uh, star anise, uh, a few other things that we associate with with Chinese food, but it is not it does not have the same uh, range and variety as say French or Italian uh, cooking does. It gets flavor in a different way. And so that was fun. To, to read more about and to, as I said, to, to uh, uh, taste test in restaurants and then again at home. And one of the things I had fun making was the uh, Chinese five spice apple cake. I saw a recipe for an apple cake that used Chinese five spice. Well, I wanted to make an apple custard cake. I don't know why. I just had the idea. I'd never done that before. I am not clown of the cake, I am people of the pie. So. Where I got that idea, I don't know. but when I saw that recipe, I thought, well, I can do that. I can mix my the custard cake or custard pie I wanted to make and just put in the five spice the way um, the way this this more traditional uh apple cake recipe had called for. And so you know it's experimentation not everything we try ends up making it in the book if I don't think I want you to try making it it doesn't go in the book And do you do you hear from readers who've tried the recipes I do frequently and it's really great I love expanding people's uh, knowledge of spice and giving them a few more things to try that they might not have stumbled across Otherwise, both uh, the recipes in the books and the recipes from uh, Mystery Lover's Kitchen. And between
0: a walk at a dead place um, has, I think I counted about uh, nine recipes, including some tea blends. Did you also design develop the tea blends?
1: Yes, that tea blend is my version of the spice tea that Pepper serves in her shop. Uh, when I was a, a college freshman and an 18 year old kid just moved from Montana to Seattle, uh, the market was not long after what, what, uh, uh, is still really well known in Seattle. It, it was not long after it had been saved from the wrecking ball. And it was, it was, um, still a little mm, rough around the edges but i loved walking around there and i had my routine of where i went and it always included stopping at a place called market spice for a cup of their spice tea and many people who have been to seattle or who've had friends visit and brought back souvenirs know that tea i loved it back then it's a little cloying for me now with orange peel and uh cloves and a few other things a little too much for me now so I created my own lighter version and that's the version that Pepper and her staff serve it's pretty easy to make
0: and if someone decides to try your spiced tea what would you uh, suggest they they have with it they, what they oh you-
1: fortune cookies don't you think <laughs> fortune cookies were another fun discovery uh, yeah, we all know them, of course, and they're a tradition in Chinese restaurants in this country, and I believe in Canada as well. Um, but they are not originally Chinese; they were Japanese, and they they came here. and And how exactly they became part of of the tradition of uh, Chinese restaurants here is a little murky. But I tried to go into it a little bit in in the book. It's a lot of fun.
0: And I actually did not know that until I saw uh, a galley of your book, or I noticed you, you have at the heading of each chapter a fun little fact or quote, uh, one of them about the fortune cookies being of actually Japanese origin. How did you choose those, those little facts and quotes to sort of head the chapters with? Because they're, they're fascinating.
1: Well, thanks. I'm glad you enjoy them. Uh, readers seem to to enjoy them too. And I have fun collecting them. Um, although I will say if anyone has a factoid about Seattle history, about food or spice that they want to share with me, I'd be happy to have it. And if I use something a reader sends me, I will credit the reader and send them a copy of the book. Because after eight books, I'm starting to uh, run a little thin on my my quotables. I try to mix it up and make sure I've got Seattle history, market-specific facts, and things related to the story, as well as, as things related to the food. So I actually keep a running list of what those epigraphs are going to be. And sometimes they move around because they turn out to be more relevant in a, a different chapter than I originally thought.
0: Now, if a reader wants to uh either get in touch with you to share their own fun fact or tell you how delicious the uh tea and apple spice cake were, or to find out what's uh, what's next. How can they how can readers connect with you?
1: So uh my website is LeslieBotowitz.com. Uh I also write as Alicia Beckman. Leslie writes Cozy's, Alicia writes Suspense, but they share a website and they share a Facebook and Instagram pages as well. And on Facebook, it's Leslie Budowitz author and Instagram. It is just Leslie Budowitz. So any of those ways are a great way to keep up with me to see what's coming next. And if someone's uh, uh, maybe interested in uh, attending an event that I'm holding a reading or a library event, I'm always happy to meet with readers. That's the best way to see what that schedule is. Uh, newsletter subscribers do get a free short story currently it is one called the end of the line which is set in greece involving an elderly greek man who really seriously hates change and i'm always happy to hear from readers and love corresponding with them
0: and where can readers buy a copy of between a walk and a dead place
1: all the usual places, both uh, online booksellers and local booksellers. Uh, Independents are the, the lifeblood of the mystery and book loving community. And I do encourage readers to support an independent bookseller whenever they can. But of course, the online booksellers are very important too. The book will be available July 18th in paperback and ebook. And I'm not sure whether the audiobook will be ready by July 18th or not, but it'll be darn close. I can tell you that.
0: <laughs> well, thank you very much, Leslie, for coming back to uh, chat with me about your new book. Um, now I'm hungry. <laughs> and I'm, I'm sure readers will be hungry to read more about uh, Pepper and her uh, friends as they uh, solve this this latest mystery. so thank you.
1: Well, thank you, Alexia. It's always a pleasure to visit with you, whether it's online or in person.
0: And thank you, readers, for tuning in to another episode of The Cozy Corner with Alexia Gordon. I have been chatting with Leslie Botowitz author of Between a Walk and a Dead Place, the newest spice shop mystery. I'm Alexia Gordon, your host. Until next time, goodbye. I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Cozy Corner with Alexia Gordon. I'm Alexia Gordon, your host. Please support the podcast by leaving a five-star rating or review on whatever platform you listen on. Follow the podcast on Instagram at podcast underscore cozy, on Facebook at the Cozy Corner Podcast, and the web at the Cozy Corner Follow me at Alexia Gordon Author on Instagram. Writer on Facebook, and AlexiaGordon.net on the web. Support me on Patreon at patreon.com slash author Alexia Gordon. And until next time,
1: thanks for listening.